Friends, another year has come and passed. And for some of us, it flew by in a moment, and for others, it couldn't have gone slower. And it's natural to look back over the last year and to remember all the things that we have accomplished. And we might even look back and look and see, well, maybe some things that we'd like to redo. Maybe some areas in our life that we wish we would have done a little bit more. No matter the case, the reality is, ready or not, we hit 2024 this week. And if you're anything like me, you've been reflecting and maybe even dreaming about what this next year is going to hold. How am I going to live my life differently? Maybe you've been thinking and you want to make health a higher priority in your life. Maybe you want to invest in your professional skills to get a new job or that promotion or even go out on your own and start your own business. Maybe you want to find a way to make a difference in the community or even in your church family. Maybe you've thought about spending more time discovering God's will for your life by spending quality time with him and his word and in prayer maybe you've thought about slowing down from the busy and the hustle maybe you've been thinking about taking that next step with Jesus into the waters of baptism all of us have different ideas and different thoughts and maybe God is placing some things upon your heart things that you're pondering things that you're thinking about things that you're praying You know, as believers of both the Old and the New Testaments, we find a lot of spiritual value in studying both of them. It's amazing to me how the Old Testament points to the New, and the New Testament reflects back on the Old, and how they they interweave back and forth. Maybe you remember some stories. Maybe you've heard them a long time ago. Maybe you've heard them recently, but you hear stories like Daniel standing up for his faith, standing for what he believed in to the point that he was thrown into a den of lions. Maybe the story of Joseph remaining faithful to God even in moments that did not make sense nor in moments that he deserved, but he chose to remain faithful to him. Maybe stories like Moses triumphantly leading God's people out of slavery or Esther risking her life to save God's people. Don't stories like that just inspire you? They just inspire me. I, you know, this last, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we went to a, a show. There's a huge theater down there called Sight and Sound Theaters. It is my son's favorite place to go. And they have, these, they have these incredible shows on characters of the Bible. And they've done, we've been to Jonah, we've been to Moses, and we've been to all these. This year is Esther. And I, I think they streamed it uh, a couple of years ago. We got to see it live. And I'm telling you, the chills and the goosebumps of just hearing the words that you've heard so often of maybe you're here for such a time as this. 
it just, it, it brings this hope into you to think about like, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I mean, I don't want to go through all the things Joseph went through, but <laughs> I don't want to, you know, you think about all the, the things, but I'll tell you this. There is not one leader that God raised up to save his people that didn't go through some type of trial, some type of prison, some type of issue, problem, things that tested their faith and showed that God was with them all the way through. You may be in a time like that in your life right now, and I just want to remind you that even in the darkness, God's light shines, and he will bring you through. And when you come out the other side, get ready. Because God's going about, he's about to do something major in your life. Whatever your dreams, whatever your goals, whatever your desires are, I believe that there's one biblical principle that we can live by that can not only transform your life, but really truly impact the kingdom of heaven. And if you want to know what that biblical principle is, I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at verse 12 today. Only verse 12. It's, I, it's, it, sometimes it's hard for me to just look at one verse, but I'm telling you that there's so much here that it really makes a big impact in our lives. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word here now, as we study these oh-so-simple words, but very, very vital words that came from the mouth of Jesus, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would speak through me, that you would anoint my mind, that you would anoint my lips, that that our hearts would be ready to hear from you today. And may we not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. To them. You know that this passage is famously called what? The golden rule. Is that because Jesus said this is the golden rule? No, he didn't say that. Where do we get that from? It's actually an emperor that wrote that on a wall of gold. And so as that got repeated and people shared and showed, it just became something that we call today the golden rule. But the Bible doesn't call it the golden rule. I could even say that calling it the golden rule is pagan, but it's not wrong to call it the golden rule, all right? Just didn't come from Scripture, all right? So Jesus didn't call it that. He received that name elsewhere. In everything, think about this, in every single thing, do to others what you would have them do to you. Jesus is at it again. You see, you and I read this, and we just think that Jesus is the one that came up with this. But I hate to break it to you, he's not. 
See, oftentimes throughout the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and I know as we've studied this out, Jesus will say, you've heard that it was said, but I tell you. This is another one of those. He just doesn't put that in front of it. But you could have said, he could have said, you've heard that it was said. And here is how it used to be said. He says, it was recorded by several different uh, rabbis and different people during that time before and after that it was mostly in a negative context. And let me tell you what I mean. Oftentimes what, it was, what was shared was, don't do anything you wouldn't want to be done to you. That's how it was normally shared. It was in a negative context. Another version would have said, don't do what you hate to other people. So if you hate lying, then don't lie, right? If you hate getting hit in the face, then don't hit in the face. That was the kind of the, the structure behind it. Don't do anything you wouldn't want to be done to you. And if you think about it, there's this stark difference between the negative version and the version that Jesus gives but I want us to just focus in on the negative for a second because here's what the negative says. The negative says, I don't want to get hit, so I'm not going to hit. The negative says, I'll leave you alone, you leave me alone. We use this with kids all the time too, it, often in the negative, right? Kid hits and we say, would you want them to do that to you? <laughs> right? And we, you know, we say, don't we quote that? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Like we, we say it in a parental tone that we're trying to get people, you know, so would you want someone saying that about you? Then don't you say it. Like we use it all the time in a negative sense, but that's not the way that Jesus intended us to use it. Even if we succeed in not murdering someone and in not hating or verbally abusing others, what good have we infused into the world by just not doing the bad things? Do you see? We can not do bad things and still the earth would still have bad things in it. Jesus is calling us to do something different. Jesus knew that we needed something better. And so he turns it to a positive. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is the essential difference between Christianity and all false religious systems. This is the difference between true Christianity and a form of religion that denies the vital power of the gospel. The golden rule takes supreme selfishness, which would be what we would like others to do for us, because that's often how we use this. Well, I don't want someone to give me money, so I'm going to give them money, right? What we would like others to do for us, and we transform that selfishness into supreme selflessness in asking the question, what can I do for someone else? The golden rule is so important. This is not just good advice. It's not just something that Jesus puts in there and says, here's a way that you could live. The golden rule is so important that Jesus says that it summarizes everything he's been trying to teach humanity since the very beginning. 
When Jesus says, for this is the law and the prophets, maybe yours says, this sums up the law and the prophets. He's saying that everything that's in the law and the prophets, in other words, everything that's in the Torah, everything that we find in that Old Testament style of, 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 of the Bible, he's saying all of that from the very beginning all the way to now, and now I'm telling you as a disciple of mine to the very end, this sums up everything do to others as you would have them do to you. Everything you wish, do to others. The practice of the golden rule is at the core an expression of the life of a person who loves God and loves his neighbor. Didn't Jesus say, everything hangs on these things? Loving God, loving your neighbor? I mean, I don't know why we put, out, we, we put those things aside and say, yeah, 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 but really we need to be focused in on this. But Jesus is saying, you've been focused on this, and I need you to focus in on this. He is bringing this to a point where he's saying, I know you know what all the rules are, but one rule you're not following is loving other people. One thing you're not doing is taking the love that I've given to you and sharing that with somebody else. The forgiveness that I've freely given to you, you're not forgiving people. The mercy that I grant to you, you're not being merciful with other people. You're being rude, you're being crude, you're not, you're not being nice. That's what Jesus is getting after. The golden rule says, I will forgive first. Not if they ask for forgiveness. The golden rule says, I will show kindness first. I'm not going to wait and sit back and see if someone says hi to me at church. I will show it first. I will extend mercy first. I'm not going to wait to see if they ask for forgiveness, if they grovel, if they're sorry enough, and then I'm going to give mercy. No, I will do it first. Because I want to do to them how I would want to be treated in that situation. It's easy sometimes, isn't it? To be looking at others after you've gone through it all and you know how to do it and you've figured life out and you've got it all, you've got your religion life together and you see someone struggling and you look at them and you go, can't they get their stuff together? What, what's wrong with these people? And Jesus says, No. That's not what I've called you to be. That's not what I've called you to do. The way we treat our fellow man and woman is the acid test of how genuine our religion really is. In fact, I believe that our attitude toward our fellow man is an infallible index of our attitude toward God. How do you treat those around you? Are you critical? Are you judgmental? Do you hold grudges? Do you complain? Are you constantly looking to see what others are doing and being a little judgy about it? How you view other people 
really shows how you view God. You look at God as a very judgmental God. You look at God as a very vengeful God. You are maybe judgy towards God. Your attitude towards him often is reflected. Well, really, it's always reflected on how you treat and see other people. If you're on a mission to keep the commandments of God, and I would imagine that if you're in this place, you know, again, New and Old Testaments are valid. We, we look at how powerful the Ten Commandments are, God writing them with his finger on tablets of stone and things like that. If you're on a, mission, a, a mission to keep the commandments of God, guess what? It starts right here in how you treat other people. Turn with me. I'll show you a couple of verses. I, I, I don't think I'm making this up. Romans chapter 13. By the way, I wasn't saying that you're being mean. I was saying that Jesus was having that conversation with them, okay? Don't, don't, don't take that wrong, okay? Romans chapter 13. But if you are being mean, then stop it. Okay, Romans 13, chapter 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. Look at this. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Ah, you see this? You want to be commandment keepers? Love one another. Because loving one another fulfills the law. Jesus said, I, I just think it's interesting how at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, I think it's verse 17, where he says, that, remember, I'm not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. And now as he's getting to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, this sums up the law and the prophets. Do you see how these things connect? So he's saying, I've come to fulfill it. Jesus is the fulfillment. Now we have the sums up. And now Paul says that when you love, you are fulfilling it. You are partaking in who Jesus is. And so in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Look at Galatians. Let's go over there to the right in your Bible. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 14. Galatians 5 and verse 14. The Bible says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out. <laughs> that you are not consumed by one another. Look, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Look at, let's go to another one. I think that this is interesting. This, is, this one comes from James. And James is trying to prove a point here, and I, I don't want to take it out of context. He's trying to prove a point in, in talking about the law and how, how all of those things. But one of the things that I think is really important is, is, is what, how he says it.
I lost James. Where'd you go, James? Anybody else having a hard time finding that little guy? He's, he's always on one page, and I can't. Where'd he go? Anyways, I'll tell you this. It says, if I remember right, it says, if you really fulfill the royal law, the royal law, right? We say, will you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture? And this is what James calls, this is what he calls the royal law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, if you're doing that, you're doing well. And he goes on to make another point. And so I don't want to take this out of context and saying that this is, it, but he, one of the things that he talks about is the royal law, the ultimate thing that you could be doing. We call it the golden rule, if you will, the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. James says, the royal law is this. Paul says, loving people fulfills the law. In multiple places, Jesus says, Everything hangs on these things. And then he says, do to others. And he says, this sums it all up. So what does this look like? Because you look at it and say, okay, I get it. Okay, pastor, this is, this is somewhat important. It's really important, but it's important. So what does this look like? Well, I'd like to tell you it's easy. But it's not always easy. Put yourself in their place. Enter into their feelings. Enter into their difficulties, their disappointments, their joys, and their sorrows. Identify yourself with them. And then, do to them as if you were going to exchange places with them. Do to them as you would wish them to deal with you. That's what the thoughts of the Mount of Blessings says. Put yourself in their place. Enter into their feelings, their difficulties, their disappointments, their joys, their sorrows. Have you ever been in those low places in life where it felt like you were all alone and you just needed a friend? You just needed someone. Kind of like with Job, just someone to come sit with me. I don't want someone preaching at me. I don't want someone telling me how to fix everything. I just want someone to come and sit next to me, put their arm around me and say, I love you. Been there? How often does that happen? <laughs> Praise God that often it is his arm that comes around me and says, I love you, son. We're going to get through this together. God never leaves us alone. But wouldn't it be great <laughs> to not be so lonely in times that you're struggling so hard? Enter into their feelings, their disappointments, their sorrows, and exchange places with them. And if you were on the same exact situation, how would you want to be treated? How would you want to be dealt with? Would you want to be preached at? 
Would you want to say, hey, if you just stop doing this, then this would stop happening to you? Or would you want somebody to just come along beside you and say, I'm here. I love you. I'll walk with you through this. It'd make a huge difference, wouldn't it? And while we think about, man, that would have been really nice in my life, I want you to turn around and say, who is in your life who you need to sit with under the tree with sackcloth and ashes being silent, just being there? This isn't something that can be faked This isn't one of those things that you could add to your checklist. You might be able to keep the Sabbath well and you might be able to refrain from killing someone when they're annoying you and you might be able to keep from stealing something, but love, you can't fake love. You just can't. Have you ever ever had somebody that comes to you that's super nice to you but it's really, really fake and you can tell and you're just like, you're waiting for them to be like, you just want to be like, what do you want? (laughs) Love can't be faked. Love can only come from the one who is love, and that's Jesus. The golden rule's truest illustration is seen in the life and character of Jesus. And when we have Jesus in our lives and in our hearts, that same spirit that he had, that everyone flocked to, that everyone experienced the, the, flow, the flowing of grace and mercy that came from him, that same spirit will be revealed in us, his children. I wish we could make this a New Year's resolution. That would be cool. But this isn't something that you can resolute. (laughs) This is really only something that you can surrender in your heart. This isn't about you taking control of something and saying, I'm going to get this, my act together. This is about letting go and handing it to Christ and saying, I need your spirit in my life. I need you to soften my heart. I need you to lead me. Point me to Jesus, to ultimate freedom. Maybe you need this freedom today. Maybe you've been walking this this journey of life and you're just trying to figure things out and it's just not working. Maybe you've, you, you know what you believe out of the Bible, but for some reason the, the connection between the head and the heart just hasn't happened and you haven't really grasped the true freedom and power of the gospel. Maybe today's that day where you, it's not just something that you intellectually grasp, but you just say, Lord, I, I, don't, think I've, I don't think I've grasped the full message of the gospel. I don't think I've gotten it. I know what the Bible says about all these things, but I haven't experienced this freedom that I keep hearing about. Maybe today's the day, and I want to invite you that you just, that's what you surrender to God this morning, and you say, Lord, I give my intellect to you, and I give my heart to you, and I pray that you would bring the two together, that I would experience what the gospel really is about. It's yours in Jesus. It's yours. but I believe that it can't stop with us. It can't stop with you. We can't ask for mercy and forgiveness and love and the Spirit and just hold it and reside it and say, well, that's good and I'm done. 
We need to ask the question, who in my life needs this freedom too? Who in my circle of influence would want to hear about the freedom that is the gospel? I'm not just talking about what you believe doctrinally. Those things are important and those things come. But if we don't have the freedom in Jesus and the gospel message deep-rooted in our hearts, those other things will become very superficial and they will never penetrate the heart. Remember, Jesus loves to start with the heart and work outward. Sometimes he uses outward things to influence the heart. There's no question about that. But true change starts with Christ here. Then, and only then, do we allow the love of Jesus and the power of the Spirit to lead us to share the gospel just as you would want the gospel to be shared with you. Not how you think someone should hear it or experience it. And this is often not done by preaching. This isn't about me trying to convince you of something. That's Oftentimes, that's not how it's done. It's not often done by convincing them of a specific teaching or belief or doctrine. It's done by practicing the golden rule. At the end of this section on thoughts of the Mount of Blessings, this is what, this is, what is said. Search heaven and earth. This is powerful. You gotta listen to this. Search heaven and earth, and there is no truth revealed more powerful than that which is made manifest in works of mercy to those who need our sympathy and aid. This is the truth as it is in Jesus. When those who profess the name of Christ shall practice the principles of the golden rule, the same power will attend the gospel in apostolic times. Think about the early church. The stories you read in the book of Acts and how God added hundreds and thousands to the church every day. She says, search heaven and earth and there's no truth revealed more powerful than the work of mercy and sympathy to those around us, those who need it. Those who profess the name of Jesus practicing the principle of the golden rule. She says that that same power that was used in the new church will be used today. You want to make a difference for the kingdom? That's not a hypothetical question. Do you want to make a difference for the kingdom? Do you want, I mean, you got to think about it, that every day this year, you could be impacting the numbers of the kingdom. Think about that. Every day that passes, everything that you do can impact the numbers of the kingdom. There could be one more soul added every day just based on this principle do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught. 
in the law and the prophets. Father in heaven, as we close out a year and we start a new one, we know there's no magic button that changes everything. We will still live in the same circumstances and the same situation, but there's one thing that can change. And that is for us to surrender ourselves to you and allow you to live in us. That your spirit would soften our hearts. That because we've experienced your love, we show it. Because we've received your mercy, we give it. Because we've experienced salvation and forgiveness, we can't help but forgive and to share the saving grace of our Lord and Savior. Lord, may you open our eyes to those around us. May it not just be a thought in our mind to think, who can I share this truth with? But may we look around in our life and say, who can I sit with? Who can I encourage? Who can I show your love, your mercy? Who can I show? Just like when I was in the depths of darkness and I just needed someone, who could I show that to? There are people around us who are hurting, who are in so much pain who just need a little bit of hope. They need just a friend, a little bit of love to get them back on the right path. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears and our minds to be sensitive to the Spirit when you call us to be that person. And in showing that mercy and in showing that sympathy and showing that love, May your power show up that people would experience the power of the gospel and that they too would be added to your kingdom. Lord, I just want to say thank you because at some point in our life there was someone there was someone who did to us as they wished be done to them. And because of that, we've received you. We're here with you. May we keep giving that love away as it was given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.